Dave Maxey here with HomeMusicStudio1.com podcast. Thanks for joining me. And today I want to talk to you about understanding EQ, what to cut, what to boost, and what to blend together. So don't go anywhere. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Dave Maxey here. Uh, Good to be back with you. It seems like it's been several weeks since I've been able to do another episode. And uh, I'm just, uh, I'm very happy to be back with you. And, uh, you know, in just a minute, we are going to answer a question that came to me uh, from Josh from Kentucky, one of our listeners and uh, readers also of the blog there, gave me a little bit of feedback and and asked a question about EQ. And so we're going to get into that and actually going to probably spread this over a few podcasts episodes and maybe a, a post or two as well on the blog. But thank you, Josh, for giving me uh, your feedback there. And uh, we'll read your question here in just a minute. But, uh, you know, I want to start as I've been starting these episodes with just giving a quick shout out to all of you who have uh, downloaded and supported what uh, what I'm trying to do here with the podcast and the blog of Home Music Studio One. And, uh, you know, I've said this many times, what I'm really trying to do and what I'm really aiming at is I want to help you, the the home recording engineer, the project studio engineer. I want to help you develop the ability to uh, to record and, and produce professional quality audio on any size budget. And so that's really what we're aiming at. That's what we're after. And hopefully these podcasts and these episodes have been helpful for you, giving you little tips along the way. Of course, we can't cover everything in one episode, but uh, you know that's that's my, my goal is to really help you be able to pr- uh, produce professional quality audio on any size Size budget, but if you uh, if you didn't download, if you weren't listening, if you weren't giving me your feedback, all the information will fall on deaf ears. And so I am immensely grateful for those of you that uh, have supported this show, and you support the show by simply downloading, by listening, by streaming each episode. Thank you so much. I've been getting a lot of feedback recently as well from uh, those of you that use iTunes. Thank you very much for that as well. Quick shout out to uh, everyone in the U.S. I've got a lot of downloads. We we are now in the thousands of downloads as opposed to hundreds. We've kind of crossed that mark finally. And uh, from the United States, where I'm from, of course, we've got a lot from there as well, but also from Canada, from the United Kingdom. Uh, from Germany, from Netherlands, from Australia, uh, from Sweden, from Thailand, from France, Mexico, Brazil, New Zealand, Malaysia, believe it or not. And the list actually does continue to go on and on. Thank you so much, guys and gals, for your support. Immensely appreciated. And uh, narrowing in a little more to my home base here in the, the States, uh, I've got kind of looking at those that are right around here and in, this, in the top states. Michigan, of course, I'm from uh, central Michigan area right here. Here in Lansing, the capital of Michigan. Uh, big shout out to all you that are uh, right around here, my uh, my home base here. Thank you guys for all your support. But also a lot of downloads from California and then believe it or not, from Ontario, Canada. So thank you, my friends up there in, in Canada. Uh, it's colder up there for you guys than it is us here. But uh, thank you very much for all the support and all the downloads. Uh, with that, you know, we've got a lot to cover today. We've got a lot of that I, that I want to cram into a short period of time. So let's dive right in. 
I got a question here as we start that was sent to me from Josh, who lives in Kentucky. And uh, I'm going to read this email to you, and then uh, we'll begin to address this. Here's what Josh says. He says, I discovered your podcast last week, and I've already listened to about half of your podcasts, and they are great. I've already learned a lot. You're doing a great job, and thank you. Uh, Pause there just for a moment. You are very much welcome, Josh. I appreciate your kind words. And uh, Josh goes on to say, I have read somewhere you have to cut dips in your EQ to make room for all the instruments and vocals so that they are not fighting to be heard. If this is not done, the loudest is heard, while the quieter ones will be lost in the mix. And then here's his primary question. How do you know which frequencies to cut and which to leave? I record a lot of acoustic guitar, and it seems like the vocals are about the same frequencies. But if I try to cut these dips in my EQ, it just sounds butchered and off. Thank you for the podcast, ebook, and your time, Josh. Uh, that's Josh from Kentucky. Thank you for your question and your feedback, Josh. Uh, I've got a couple thoughts for you, and I'll do my best to, to hopefully uh, help you. Uh, I was able to send an email out to Josh and give him some things to chew on uh, before I was able to get to this podcast. But um, honestly, EQ is definitely one of the top questions I get right along with compression and, and what gear do I use, Dave, when it comes to recording, what's most affordable. But EQ, um, is is definitely one of those areas that can make or break and take your project from amateur to professional or professional to amateur, depending on on how well you you understand EQ and, and what's going on. Um, and so it's something that we definitely want to understand. But I want to say this right off the bat. Uh, you know, Josh mentions here the idea of kind of uh, of hacking out frequencies in order to leave room for others. And I know that word hack is is not what Josh used, but uh, I, I like to think of it this way. It isn't, a, it isn't a bad idea to think that I've got to cut holes or cut dips in my audio to make room for other tracks. However, my personal preference is to think of it more like this. Uh, I like to think of each of my tracks as a puzzle piece for one one whole picture. And EQ is the thing that allows me to do three primary things. Uh, there's there's other reasons that we use EQ, such as effects as well. But in, in, uh, in general, there's three primary things that I use EQ for in my mix. Number one, to uh, to correct the, the tones and the frequencies that are just unpleasing to listen to. Uh, maybe you've got 2K just really cranking in a track of vocals and it's just chopping your head off. Or, or you've got a lot of 50 or 60 and every time you throw that into uh, you know a standard system, it's just clipping out lows because most of your your systems can't handle that. Well, the first thing I use EQ for is to pull out the unpleasing frequencies. Second thing I find myself using EQ for is to add back in or add tones or extenuate tones that are pleasing that are uh, maybe just that sparkle to the, the lead vocal or that nice snap in that four range to to say maybe a hat or, or a 4K range, somewhere in that hi-hat range uh, to, to allow that to just kind of chop through the mix or uh, get a little bit of a girth in that thunder, that 50 to 60K of my kick drum or um, maybe a little more sustain and make that bass a little more feelable in that 100 area, add some warmth to it in that 100 hertz. Uh, so adding pleasing tones into my tracks or my overall mix is the second thing I find myself using EQ for. And then lastly, looking at the overall picture of what I'm painting with uh, my, my music 
music with my project, I use EQ to blend my tracks together and kind of make room for one another. And this is where I get to your illustration uh, that I've heard many times. There, there's nothing wrong with thinking of the idea that that I've, I want to make maybe a little room for one track by by making some cuts and allowing another track to kind of be boosted in that area, make a little uh, room for that. But for me personally, it's more helpful to understand and to think maybe a little more precise. When I think kind of cut dips to me, I, you know, I kind of think of maybe just a little more wide cutting, wide frequencies, uh, but that's not really what I'm after. I'm after kind of shaving and making nice, uh, nice spots where the two pieces fit together, not just gaping holes where one can kind of fall into it, but nice smooth areas that allowed my puzzle pieces, my tracks, if we want to kind of go along this illustration, to blend together with one another. That's the third thing I find myself using EQ for, and that's to blend my mixes, my overall mix together one track to another. So, uh, I want to talk just a little bit about a few ideas and a few concepts that I think will help you. It's going uh, to take more time than one episode. So I'm going to give you a few things today, Josh, as well as I think uh, many of you probably have the same questions. And EQ is definitely an art form, okay? Uh, like uh, like running, uh, you know, like learning how to, to record uh, a whole project, there's very little right and wrong per se. Uh, very little hard rules. There's, there's many ways to achieve some of the same results. There's a lot of ways, especially in the digital audio workstation world. There's a a lot of uh, tools that we have in our arsenal. So there's a lot of ways to achieve a lot of of some of similar results. Uh, But it it is uh, helpful to understand a few things, a few concepts that kind of help zero in. You asked the question here, Josh, how do I know what frequencies to to cut and which to leave? Uh, Well, in the idea and the understanding of kind of shaping your sound, let me give you a few things that may help help. Uh, the first thing I want to encourage you to do is if you don't have one, get a good frequency analyzer plugin. And uh, maybe if you don't have one, depending on what uh, recording software you're using, I record uh, presently with Sonar. Uh, I'm using X2, the, the new producer version. And it actually comes with uh, an analyzer plugin by Cakewalk. Great little plugin that I find myself using often. And uh, here's what an analyzer will do. It gives you a graphical picture of what is happening in each frequency from 20 to 20, okay? And that allows you to see what is stronger and what is, uh, you know, not coming out as strong and allows you to kind of see the graph, okay? Remember, equalize is, uh, you know, when we think of the term equalize, another way we could think is balance. Uh, if you've got things that are strong, really strong than another, that may be a trouble area that you need to look at. If you've got frequencies that are really, really low, compared to another, sometimes those are those are areas that you want to pay close attention to because what we're after is a much more balance from one tone to another. Now, that doesn't mean completely flat. Different styles of music will have a little more lows, a little more highs than others, but it does mean that we're after balance, a general overall balance and overall feel. And when you're, when you're learning, and even after you kind of know what you're doing, sometimes just listening to something long enough, your ears just get fatigued. Having a good free 
frequency analyzer plugin can kind of help confirm what you're hearing. Sometimes it can point you in a direction that you wouldn't otherwise know to go, uh, especially as you're learning. And so if you don't have one, let me recommend a great free one uh, that you can check out. Uh, Head on over to bluecataudio.com. That's the word blue and C-A-T audio.com. Great uh, set of little free plugins that they have. If you head on over to uh, bluecataudio.com, click on products. About middle way down, uh, there's several links under all our products. There's a link that says freeware. And within there, there's a great little frequency analyzer plugin completely free uh, called, uh, it's just Blue Cat's Freak Analyst. And uh, if you click on that, uh, there's a Mac version of it. There's a Windows version of it. Uh, Pro Tools guys, uh, RTAS version of it. Also a DirectX, uh, DirectX and VST version as well. And they also make this in a 64-bit version as well. And there's some other really cool plugins on there. Uh, that I want to encourage you to check out as well on the site. But first thing I would say is get yourself a good frequency analyzer plugin that's going to help train your ear. It's also going to help kind of maybe uh, identify some areas that will help keep you on track as you're learning uh, and also as, as you get to know things a little better. I use a frequency analyzer all the time to uh, to constantly see exactly what's happening and exactly what's going on. So um, the second thing that I would tell you, Josh, is this. Um, I've got a track here in front of me. Let me just play you a little piece of this, and I'll and I'll uh, I don't have time to show you exactly of everything that I've done. I want to just give you some things to work on. Let me let you hear. This is just a, an acoustic guitar. Uh, you mentioned that you record a lot of acoustic and vocals, and I, I think that uh, many of us out there uh, don't have full bands, and so a lot of times we're doing this, some of the same things: one instrument and a voice. Uh, let me let you hear a piece of what I've got here: one acoustic, one voice. Um, there's a little EQ on both the acoustic and the voice. Little comp- Compression on both and a little bit of reverb on the voice. Here we go. Take this heart of mine. I lift it up before you once and for all. I know that I have been blind, but the things that fill up, fill up my eyes, and I have been. Okay, kind of give you an idea of what we got going on. Now, um, if I were looking at this project, and the very first thing that I would begin to do is I kind of think of EQ in a couple different stages. Number one, I kind of think of pre-EQ. And to me, that is initially there's some things that I want to clean up on a track that um, that really don't have a whole lot to do with listening to it in the final mix. But at the end of the day, what matters most it, when it comes to finalizing of, of my individual tracks and EQ, what matters most is the other way I think about EQ, and that's kind of the final project with in the mix. So I EQ a little bit before uh, I listen. I'll solo a track and listen to it on its own, make a few adjustments. I'm really, I'm, I'm not going drastic with it. I'm just kind of cleaning up a few things and I'll explain what I look for initially in a minute. But then secondly, uh, what what ends up being the most important aspect of EQ is what do uh, those tracks sound like blended together within the mix. That also tells me uh, predominantly what I need to cut and boost. Do I have things that are not blended together that are kind of fighting one another because maybe my vocal and my acoustic occupy some of the same frequencies. And so let me talk quickly about what I do initially on the first stages of EQ. What I'll tend to do is I'll ask myself if it's an instrument or a voice, what does this instrument or voice sound like naturally if it were not being recorded? If I just played my acoustic in my bedroom, listen to the sound, what would it sound like? 
Would there be a lot of lows like a bass guitar? Mostly, probably not. Would there be uh, a real, real strong body sound of that acoustic, kind of like a, you would hear a decay on a, on a tom or something because of the body of the acoustic? Would it be real percussive sounding? Most of the time, not. When it, when it just comes to the acoustic sound of that instrument, that's usually where I start. I'll do a few initial tailoring thoughts when I just listen. Okay, if this acoustic guitar were, were just not recorded, and I just heard the natural sound, what would I be hearing? Sometimes uh, that's kind of the first thing I like to do is I'll listen to that track by itself and ask myself that question, well, are there some things I maybe need to take out because uh, naturally it would not be there? In this case, uh, this acoustic, I've cut about 80 on down. I've actually rolled off. I've got a a high pass uh, uh, filter as well as kind of a low roll off. And so what I'm doing is uh, um, it's allowing me to select from 80 hertz on down and giving me a tapered, uh, if you looked at the graph of this EQ, it kind of has a nice slope where it's rolling off the lows from about 80 hertz on down. And the reason I'm doing that is because uh, that that range right there, uh, there's a little more rumble happening in that area. And I just don't need that much low information on the acoustic. And I would not have that much naturally in the room. It wouldn't be that strong. And so I'm kind of balancing that out a little bit. The other thing that I noticed on this acoustic when I watched my analyzer plug in and I just listened to my ear, uh, there was kind of this, um, the body of the acoustic I could hear as kind of this this constant rumble. There's a couple things happening, a little bit of mud in some spots. And then right around, I noticed on my analyzer plug in, right around in that 160 range, there was just kind of this, this uh, resonance sound that was happening from the body of the acoustic. So I cut that just a little bit, again, to correct a little bit of that unpleasing tone. Uh, went right about at that 160 uh, hertz area and took about 3 dB out as well. And then to kind of keep it out of that muddy sound, I took about a decibel and a half as well, uh, right around uh, about the 250-300 range, which tends to be where mud is. Uh, from there, I listened to this track and I asked myself, well, I wanted to hear a little bit of the natural picking sound of the acoustic of the pick going across those strings. So on the acoustic track, uh, uh, in order to bring that in there, uh, I ended up boosting a little bit of what ended up being right around the 2K range. Now, how I found that range was um, I cranked up the EQ. Uh, I've got an EQ here that allows me to then sweep through frequencies and find out what I'm hearing. So I cranked it up uh, to about a 6 to 7, 8 dB boost, which was way more than what the final track was going to need. But then I began to just sweep through the frequencies and discovered right around in that 2K range, I could really hear the attack of the pick. So then I backed the gain down of the 2K until it was just pleasing to where it had a little bit of that pick sound in it without being crazy. Okay. So those are just a few initial things that I do uh, to my original tracks in the guideline of kind of the original cleaning up is what is the vocal? What is the instrument? What would it sound like acoustically? Many times it's a great place to start, make a few small adjustments initially uh, based upon what it would sound like acoustically and naturally, or maybe even the flavor of what you're after. Uh, That's what I would do initially. Now, uh, from there, um, add in pleasing tones, kind of that the demonstration on the acoustic I did with, uh, you know, boosting a little bit of 2K. But how do we make these tracks work together? Well, um, 
You know, I'm going to say this, and I've said it many, many times. Uh, EQ is one uh, is is not a magic bullet any more than compression or anything else is. So there's a lot of factors that go into how do you get tracks to blend together without fighting one another. Uh, for sake of time, we're just addressing EQ. Uh, here is where I like to think of this again as less than uh, rather than chopping out big holes. Uh, I like to think of it as more carving, uh, less carving, I guess, more fine tuned a puzzle piece. I'm trying to shape one track to fit into another. In this track with an acoustic and a vocal, uh, what I've done is I've listened to this and I've heard a few things. There's some areas that I know right off the bat just from doing this for a while that that really uh, help my vocal kind of pop out of the mix. Uh, one of those areas tends to be right around that 4 or 5K area. Another area is is the 2K. Uh, that, that 4K area is kind of where the power is. The 2K as well. Uh, and, and just kind of playing a little bit with, can I just give a little boost in those areas uh, to kind of bring that vocal out. Another area is the 10K on the high side adds that little sparkle in that vocal, uh, just kind of kind of makes it a real more polished sound. So I've kind of I've listened, I paid close attention to those areas. Also, I find that uh, in vocals there's kind of a muddy region, which ends up being about uh, in in really actually most uh, things have a mud area that uh, you know is going to be anywhere from uh, say 250 on up to uh, five six hundred uh, in in that range in there. And so pay attention to those areas as well. In this uh, particular case, I kind of cut a little bit on the acoustic of that uh, 160 to that, uh, you know, kind of 250, uh, 260 range. And so just on top of that, I gave a little bit of boost to my vocal. So if I were to kind of look at my EQ graph, um, just listening to it naturally by ear, I've got a little bit of cut, uh, kind of pulling a little bit of that mids out of the acoustic. And then I've boosted just a little bit of just the high mids on on the vocals to kind of help them blend a little bit together. But how do you know which ones to cut? Starts by listening to kind of what would the instrument sound like naturally? What would the voice sound like naturally? Start there. Then listen. Listen to things that are, are, are there frequencies that um, maybe are fighting one another? Don't make gigantic chops. Uh, sometimes just tapering a little bit. If you've got a muddy sound, pulling out of that, uh, you know, anywhere from that 250 to, to 500 range, just, just bringing that down a couple of dB and then listen to what's going on. Uh, a lot of times can kind of pull some of that mid-range out and uh, and then at the same time, adding a little bit of the highs in, say, in this case, the, the vocal track can, can also help push uh, the clarity there a little more for the lead vocal. So the reality is it takes time. It takes time to listen to that. And one of the best tools that I can, uh, you know, I can say when it comes to EQ is listen to a professionally mastered mix. Listen to something and give yourself a reference. A lot of times I will, uh, I'll just pull in a track. Uh, I'll, I'll just insert another stereo track into my project. Project, and I'll pull in something that's the same style of music and I'll listen to what's going on there. If it's the same feel, the same flavor, I'll try and look at my uh, my analyzer plugin and find out what is happening in general to the feel of that. Try and recreate as much as possible uh, something that I do like and, and try and help that uh, you know be a, be a tool for me to kind of recreate in my own project something that aims a little closer to that. And so um, I know that's really just a couple things uh, this time around. Um, there's really a lot more that comes to EQ. And, uh, you know, we've only got so much time with one podcast, but let me just let you chew on those things just for a little bit. 
And then uh, we'll come back with a couple more episodes. I've got a lot more thoughts on EQ. But uh, again, start with listen to the the instrument naturally. Uh, Ask yourself, what do I need to pull out that uh, maybe is a little too much? Use your frequency analyzer plugin. Uh, Try and create kind of a a pre-molded sound that that is you're you're really aiming to create that natural as much possible, uh, as much as possible, create the naturally acoustic sound from whatever instrument or voice you're doing. So in a voice, uh, you might want to knock out about 150 on down initially. That's usually not there in a voice. Sometimes that helps, gets the mud out of that region as well. So ask yourself those questions initially, and then uh, begin to just kind of sweep through certain bands and find out what is happening. And then lastly, I would say a little goes a long way. A little goes a long way on EQ. So, uh, you know, if I find myself really cranking on the EQ, um, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, if, if I'm going above six, seven, eight dB, um, you know, I, I, I got to really question what's happening. Is there something else in the way? Uh, be very cautious about really cranking up the EQ because because uh, typically I'll go uh, one and a half to maybe three decibels max, and then I'll listen to what's going on and then find out if I need to make any other adjustments uh, above and beyond that. Um, so uh, those are just a few things. Uh, again, I, I've got more thoughts for you, but I don't want to give you too much in, in, uh, in one sitting. Uh, start there, guys. Hopefully these have been helpful to you, just kind of give you a general idea of starting. We'll get into a little more demo of, uh, of what this looks like more real world in the future. Hopefully that gives you enough to chew on for now. And uh, if so, hey, uh, why not sign up for the, the free newsletter? I, I love to hear your guys' feedback. And one of the things that I do for those of you that are, are signed up on the newsletter is I've got a free ebook that I uh, would love to get in your hands, as well as uh, just information that I send out often to those that are on that newsletter. And, uh, you know, if you want to stay up to date with what's happening with Home Music Studio One, with some of the new content that I put out, head on over to homemusicstudio1.com slash newsletter, and uh, you can put your email in there. I'll send you that free ebook. Uh, if you've already got a copy of that, that's great. Just as you're on that newsletter, I'm going to be sending more information out to everybody that's on that list. I've just served Certain things um, that uh, you know that just hit me, and just materials and things that I think will be very helpful to you as well. But if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, why not do that now? Uh, love to have you do that. HomeMusicStudio1.com/newsletter. And uh, you know, if you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. If you've got more questions, I'd love to hear your questions. You can send me an email at Dave at HomeMusicStudio1.com as well, or you can hop on the blog and go to the contact section of the blog. You can contact me that way. Uh, Love to have your feedback even here in iTunes. Uh, You can do that as well. And with that, uh, this is Dave Maxey with the HomeMusicStudio1.com podcast, and we will catch you next time.